Life is full of personal wins. Whether it's cleaning your house, getting that dream car, or checking off your to-do list, winning at life is a great feeling. And with the State Farm Personal Price Plan, you can keep winning when you create an affordable price just for you by bundling home and auto. So give yourself a round of applause. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Rakuten's Big Give Week is back with 15% cash back. It's a festival of savings at hundreds of stores, including Doc Martens, Ninja Kitchen, and Hotels.com. Prep for summer and save big on beauty, travel, electronics, and more. It's one of Rakuten's biggest cash back events, and it's on May 6th through May 13th. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app today. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Welcome to the Nerdist Podcast number 688. Uh, what's coming up on the Nerdist Community Corkboard? Well, I've got an app for today because I'm real excited about that Jurassic World coming out. And James Miller, one of our listeners, has created an app called Pose and Draw Dinosaurs. And it is a art app designed for you to set up and learn how to draw 22 different dinosaurs. And I'm going to be honest, I have downloaded it and it's amazing. And it works in tandem with a bunch of art programs for the iPad. I'm really into doing art on the iPad so that you can lightbox things or different stuff or go the old-fashioned way with doing stuff. It's uh, free, and then there's actually a $1 upgrade is the one in-app purchase, and it is a real cool app. It's little kid-oriented, but I'm a 28-year-old man who played with it for two hours yesterday. <laughs> what do you got, Katie? Uh, I just want to remind people that we have uh, Orphan Black's official podcast now on the Nerdist Podcast Network. It's called Clonecast, and it comes out every Wednesday, so it's out today. And they get a lot of cool people from the TV show, so anyone who likes the show will love it. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. I also have to congratulate Kyle for being really great the other night. Thanks. Yeah. It was and fun. to stand-up cluster. Kyle Clark had a killer set. Telling the he jokes. That was, a good, that was a good lineup. That was yeah, really fun. Good, good group of folks on there. Um, I think the way we're going to... I'm probably going to cut me out as much as possible just so that it's so that the show is tighter. Two than hours long? Just the comics. <laughs> so uh, so that'll be good. We'll, we'll put that up soon. Yeah. It's, uh, it, was a, it was a lot of fun. It was... Uh, I had posted somewhere that it was a real surreal experience because I definitely remember being just a dude who listens to the Nerdist podcast <laughs> listening at first stand-up cluster and going like, oh my god, Jonah Ray doing stand-up. This is amazing. And to like, uh, you know, years later actually be on like the third one. Like it's a, it's a real crazy cluster of folk to have all get to be in the short list on with so it was pretty cool i was talking to dan telfer about it and we were both like that's kind of weird isn't it well you were great so Thank you. thanks for bringing the heat kyle oh, clark man. and it's... everyone everyone had great sets yeah this was a fun it was night. a quality program i was very excited about it um this uh we're, we're gonna be doing stand-up we're doing podcasts i believe we're about to do uh, announce a second a late show podcast uh, at san diego comic-con on the saturday night and then i'm doing fun comfortable stand-up tour on the friday night so if you go to funcomfortabletour.com, then uh, you can get tickets to that. And then mm, I'm doing Montreal. Just passed Montreal and just for, I think this is going to be your year, man. In Toronto. Uh, so that's <laughs> What all if you just popped right upon new faces just to the horror of all the other people? What is she doing here? Yeah, I'm just, That'd be so good. I don't, you know, I don't know if I, I don't know if I would have a good set, to be honest, because it's, I'm so used to doing long-form stand-up now. That when I try to condense into six minutes, like it's it it, it feels weird. I'm to upset because I'm starting to get that way, and uh, I have no reason to. But uh, <laughs> but like I, I did uh, my first couple of, like headlining spots recently, and got to do. I'm like, oh, this is way better. This is so much better. That's yeah, great. It's good fun. Uh, this episode of the podcast, Joseph Gordon-Levitt returns. Ooh. Oh, he's the best. He was so I great. Truly I love that man. You know, he was on a couple years ago, and. And and the episode particularly resonated with people because yeah. it was a it was just a very he's a very thoughtful guy and uh, and we talked about a lot of a lot of really I don't know like very personal stuff and 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 people really dug it and and you know obviously when someone comes back you're like well I hope they have fun again and it was and this time was just as fun he's such Number, a good dude yeah he is a good dude he's so, so smart too yeah yeah he's shockingly smart and uh, I mean to the extent. Where you feel a little 
intimidated. No, yeah, like, I, feel oh, like, I feel like everybody heard him talk that first and were like, oh, we're all stepping up our game right now, I see. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> oh, we have to be present. <laughs> uh, he's promoting Hit Record. The new season starts June 12th on Pivot. And now here's Nerds Podcast number 688 with Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Now entering Nerdist.com. Going. What's up, dude? Nice to see you. Good to see you. Welcome back. Hey, how are you? Nice to see you, too. You got dressed up for us. I did. This is a bit. Did you see the red carpet outside? We totally passed it. I I love that you put a rain slicker on Scout. (laughs) That is. He is. He was. I mean. Oh, she. I'm just seeing boobs. I. You know, I always forget if Scout's a. Everyone says he for dogs. Everyone says he for dogs and she for cruise ships. <laughs> and she for cats. She's delisting. <laughs> well, thanks for being a pretty chill dog owner. That's real. That yeah, explains why. Like, oh. And this dog will sit there and that's the entire time. And just curl up and be a freaking cool dog. She's a social creature. She knows uh, what's going on in the room. <laughs> this dog has been in most of the podcasts that we've done for the last, what, like year and a half or yeah, something like that? <laughs> That's why the dog's so chill. It's just like, yeah, whatever. Like, uh, couldn't care less. Just couldn't care less anymore. In the beginning, I wanted to take pictures with everyone and get autographs, and then and now it's ask just... their opinion on the news. <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, just put my rain slicker on me. I want to be over here. I don't give a shit anymore. It's good to see you again. Likewise, man. Likewise. The first time you came on the podcast, people talked. Are we recording already? Yes. It's oh, already oh, is that how it happens? This okay. Is, yeah, yeah. You sort of get blindsided with it. It. Got you know it, got I'll it. Tell you okay. why. I'm I'll glad t- I asked. Let me just let me give you a little I- information behind the matrix code. Okay. It's mainly so that people don't feel like and now me telling you this, I don't know if this is helpful. It's basically uh, you know, because you're you're so used to doing interviews, people are so used to doing interviews and I want it to be a conversation and so when people when you go, "Okay, it is time to start." Yeah. Sometimes people's shields go up. Right, right. Like, now I am into interview mode. See, that's funny cuz at the beginning of every hit record episode we start off saying, are we recording? <laughs> and that comes from a certain thing that my brother and I used to always do because you've run into those situations enough times where something cool's happening, you want to record it, and then you do, and then you're like, okay, let's watch it back, let's watch it back. Fuck, I wasn't recording that. <laughs> so you check at, at the point you before you check. get started. You say, are we recording? And you make sure that that's actually happening. Yes. Well, first of all, congratulations on Hit Record. Thank you. Thank you. That, and that, that wasn't just a shameless segue into already plugging no, my show. Please, plug the show. It was. Plug the show. But it was so well done <laughs> that I'm not ashamed of it. <laughs> you know, it reminds me of something else I saw on Hit Record. Which, yeah, which um... <laughs> Why are we all suddenly wearing red buttons? This is crazy. What's <laughs> happening? Are we recording? <laughs> but uh, the, the the last time you were on the podcast was a couple of years ago, and it and and it was an episode that I, that people talked about to me for months and months. Is and that months. right? Oh, yes, cool, man. because it, it took this really wonderful turn, and we talked a lot about your brother, and 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 it was it, it felt it was really um, it was really nice, and 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 I think I feel the same way. By the way, and I'll say people have brought that that interview in particular up to me. Probably as much as or more than any interview I've, oh, I've wow, ever done. That's, all, that's that's really true. That's that that's really yeah. that's really cool, and it's it's really nice to have you back. And well, like now we're going to recapture the magic. How's your brother? No, I wasn't there. I don't think yeah. you were there. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that's not the right question. <laughs> Actually, that was very much the right question. That was the perfect perfect question. <laughs> <I wasn't there. laughs> he's now. I'm now remembering. Uh, I'm now remembering. <laughs> Matt, he's I'm with now, my dad. He's with my dad. Bowling, uh, yes, that's what thunder is. You know, this is this is Matt. this is this is Matt. Yeah, hey, Matt. Wait, Matt man, and a Red Sox. Out. And a Red Sox. Out. Are you not a Red Sox fan? I'm from LA, dude. Oh, okay. I can't right. root for any Boston teams. Okay, yeah, I understand. Matt, you know, do you root for them? Really root for them? 
The Red Sox? Yeah. I, I literally was watching them play the Orioles before I came here. How, how was that going? Uh, zero, 0 in the fourth. Oh, okay. You know, pitch count's a little high on uh, Rodriguez. I, I'm but, already lost. But know. I'm glad to know that it's, uh, <laughs> that it's a thing that's happening. Is, yeah. uh, so Dodgers are playing currently? We're, we're in well, baseball I think he's season. more a Lakers fan and hates the Celtics. You have that exactly right. Okay, that's what it is. You have that 100% correct. Matt has a sports sense, so he can tell. I know what's happening. I hate the Lakers. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> now, when you like a team, what is it that you like specifically about it? Like, what, what makes you go? Is it, is, it, is it local pride, or is it something about the way that they're managed? That's or? a question I ask myself all the time. You know, sports is funny, because you get invested. It's different than a movie. When you, when you love a team, and you watch a game, you're, first of all, you're investing a lot of time in, in watching that game, and you're just as likely to feel like shit at the end of the night yes. as you are to feel good, because mm-hmm. if they lose, <laughs> you're, you're screwed. Your whole emotional state will be ruined for the night um so why do we pick teams i don't know it's like a tribal thing or something i I guess it's geographic yeah it's it's really just like sort of like your roots or you know that's your city you choose that to be your city my mom will have specific reasons it's like i like this coach oh i can give you reasons why the lakers the 1980s magic johnson lakers are the best sports (laughs) team of all time i can give you lots of reasons for that. i don't know but let's just talk about the 80s celtics with larry bird basketball jesus <laughs> Did you hit record? Because <laughs> this is this is about to get magical. Well, okay, let, let's talk about it then. Because sure. Larry Bird is more like the category of Michael Jordan, who's an awesome player right. on his own and makes great shots and all that. But mm-hmm. Magic Johnson is someone who is able to unite a team and orchestrate teamwork in a way that is far more entertaining for me anyway as yeah. a watcher than just an individual guy who's a great player I love on his own. Watching Larry Bird make everyone look like an idiot. <laughs> I, I I like him trash talking. I like if you go back, there's a great uh the three point contest at the All Star game in I think eighty six or eighty seven uh, Larry Bird just runs the table on the threes, and then he just throws the last one up from the corner, doesn't even watch it, and just walks away and then nails it. He oh, had a wow. perfect... It was amazing. He's the, he's the best. He's I mean, I can watch highlight reels because I'm like, oh, you know, these are, these are the peak moments of the thing. Like, right. I get to yeah. see everyone... Shining, you know, the thing that they've trained their whole lives for is is connecting right here, and it's working. Part of it's the – I just like the pacing of sort of watching things on television. I like when the announcers don't have anything to talk about, so then they just start talking <laughs> about the food that they had that day. It's like a real sort of like, all right, let's just let this happen. But also highlight, rule, uh, highlight reels, you don't have the suspense That's because true. every play on a highlight reel, the ball's going through the hoop. Yeah. So you don't have – you're not on the edge of the seat. To yeah. see if it goes in or not. That's true. That's true. Uh, but a lot of times, you know, I'll make my way through a video game, and then I'll go back with the cheat codes, and then and then just run through it really fast. Right. So maybe that maybe that's so something. cheaters like highlight reels <laughs> is what you're saying. <laughs> I think that's what we've arrived at. Now, to be fair, I did say I do. I would play through the first time. You did sure. say that, and then I would like to run through with. Yeah, the, and with that's the important. Cheat codes. See, I've just, just never won a video game ever. No. Not for lack of trying. That's not true. I've 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 beaten Street Fighter. That's Street it. Fighter. Okay. Yeah. I think we talked about Street Fighter last time. That's really my only video game that I'm good at. And it's and by the way, Street Fighter is one of those games that you can still play and it's still fun. Oh, completely. And I I this is probably biased, but I hold the opinion that it's still better than any of the newfangled Street Fighter descendants. <laughs> any Mortal Kombat, Tekken, anything is none of them have the finesse and the subtleties. <laughs> That Street Fighter has. In First my of all, opinion. I appreciate that you're already using Grandpa language like newfangled. <laughs> These newfangled new games, chicken games. We used to say finish him, and then we'd finish him. That's Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Yeah. <laughs> Mortal Kombat. Yeah, I want to confuse the two. <laughs> but that's Mortal Kombat's the one that I played because uh, that's the one we had at uh, at UCLA. There was a. Um, there was a video. There was an arcade, mm-hmm. and they all had the uh, winners don't use drugs uh, <laughs> things on there. It's true. Yeah, but then I would lose, and I'd be like, so "Should I take drugs now?" Like, I don't know. <laughs> Answer <laughs> is also a, yes. As a personal message, <laughs> I mean, I didn't win. It says winners win don't use drugs. Losers must use drugs. So I, I don't know. I was, but but Mortal Kombat was kind of my. You know, and I and I and I stand by the Mortal Kombat movie. I stand by the old Mortal Kombat. The Mortal movie. Kombat movie is better than the Street Fighter movie. That's, <laughs> that's true. Oh, correct. Yeah. 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 Are there any things from your childhood that uh, as you're older and you have more sway with things? You're, you know, I think I gotta make that a thing. I think I gotta make a movie out of that, or I gotta go back and resurrect oh, that. Oh well, uh, hmm. Um, 
I could only probably tell you about things that, you know, haven't moved forward and therefore <laughs> would be embarrassing for everyone involved to talk about. Uh, yeah. But you've know. tried. You've tried. There, there's... I had idea. I, I had what I thought was a really cool idea for Choose Your Own Adventure <sighs> that uh, they uh, didn't take. My as idea. a movie? Choose Your Own Adventure as a movie? Yeah. Oh, man. that's That sounds... I mean, how does that even does the whole theater choose at one time or do you, you know, there, there was talk of that. I don't, I don't think the technology is quite there yet Mm -hmm. to do that. Right. I think that's coming. They clap and a guy has to change a reel. I think, I think eventually that and probably sooner than later, stuff like that will happen where like a room full, a cinema full of people are all using their own devices and influencing the story that you're seeing up on the big screen. Okay, when someone gives you a billion dollars for hit record, what exactly. you got to do well, exactly. is you got to rent out the Arclight, mm-hmm. you shoot five different adventures. Does this exist already? It what? Does. It already exists. It would happen. There's a movie called Twix that Francis Ford Coppola did like four or five years ago where they four-walled it at places, and he sat in the back with an editing machine. And as the audience responded to different things, he would put different versions but did they, they, that doesn't sound the but same. But did they though. know? Like, did they know that their reactions were influencing the movie? movie was different based on the right, right, right. But they weren't really know, choosing. Saying, but they just, weren't actively choosing. Really no, nope. that's more like they were. He was algorithming your own adventure. Like same. it wasn't really. But was he? Was he? How was he getting input from the audience by applause or by what? By weird reaction Just watching them. That's interesting. I didn't know that. That's not, what not, that movie not was. choose your own adventure. No. And who's that? Who's that kid's name? What's his name? Francis Never gonna, no, yeah. never gonna <laughs> work out. Yeah, that's why it didn't. Wait, Go back it, to making it, wine. Can I just ask a technical question? You don't have a microphone in front of you. Are we hearing you? Yo. <laughs> We're not supposed to like pretend that he's not talking or something. No, I mean we okay. do do that, <laughs> but it's not required. Okay. 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 Yes. All right. Follow-up okay. question or anything, or no? We're good. No, I just I just wanted to understand. I, I just was confused. Help with that because I just read that article on that thing, and okay. so I had that knowledge. That like, thing that was different from what we were talking about. It's different than Choose Your Own Adventure. Like Choose Your Own Adventure would be at a certain point in the movie, you could say like, you know, if you want to pick this, go to theater two. If you want to pick this, go to theater four. If you want to pick no, this, no, interesting no. to you know, the whole cinema. And then everyone has to get up, and then they all go to the theater, and then at the very end, they all come back. For you know, they all come back. The ending somehow gets tied together in four or five different ways. That's interesting. To the you know, but that's like that's like that's when you when you have a billion dollars, yeah. and you can rent out a theater and shoot five different. No, but movies. I mean, these are the kinds of things that I think about, and and I I don't I don't know if it's going to be quite like choose your own adventure, but I do really think that eventually there will be a thing where. Uh, where lots of different people are all gathered in one place and, you know, working with their devices in various ways. And there's some sort of, you know, master of ceremonies or dungeon master, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> who's sort of got, you know, the finger on the control button of what's going up on the big screen. Yep. And it's... But it's it is sort of a largely collaboratively told story. You know, it's it, you maybe you were a little ahead of your time, but it's but it's still it's it's not over. You got plenty of time to make this happen. But my idea for choose your own adventure was was much more conventional than that. They didn't they they didn't throw me out of of the studio because I was I was trying to raise a billion dollars to hit record. Um, I I just thought. I don't know. Is it weird to like pitch a, a rejected no, pitch on, no, on a podcast? No, please. Does that happen? Not, not at all. Because then someone will be like, "We have to kickstart that," and then <laughs> the next thing you know, you have ten million dollars. My idea for Choose Your Own Adventure was to do it sort of like how you know in Neverending Story, there's the world of Bastion reading the book. Yes, of course. And then there's the world within the book. Yes, that was that's the basic idea of how I wanted to do a Choose Your Own Adventure, where you had like. A character, probably two characters, like maybe two kids or something, a brother and a sister or something like that, who are reading Choose Your Own Adventure together and go through the book once, and it happens one way, and then maybe like later in life, the you know the the younger sibling comes back and goes through the book again, but it happens differently, and so or something like that where your the emotional stakes are coming from the the character who's reading yes. Choose Your Own Adventure book. But they kind of just wanted to, you know, do, you know, 
just a big action movie and call it Choose Your Own Adventure. <laughs> yeah. So are people choosing? No. No. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, technically. Is it an adventure movie? No. no it's action. Chose, it's not even the same. Chose. No, not at all. The second they bought a ticket, they chose this adventure. They chose this adventure. So, so uh, I mean, you know, what's to say? You choose a lot of things <laughs> yeah. in a movie. Am I going to get good and plenty? Am I going to get popcorn? Am I going to pee right now? Am I going to wait? They are choosing it. So they it drink like, too much. Oh, they have to go to the bathroom. That's Joe, part of the adventure. Choose your own adventure if you think about it. I have a 50s studio head. So now. have we got a deal? <laughs> Louis Maya said to me once, go fuck yourself. Yeah, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I really feel like this, it's the kind of thing that the more, especially the more that things can be crowdfunded and the more that, you know, technology essentially makes it easier for people. You know, I mean, you really could just make, you could make most things right now on your own. I mean, I don't think it's out of the, I don't think it's out of the question. You don't need the big Hollywood machine. Well, the funny thing to me is that, that the, the technology is actually ahead of the culture. Like that, that, um... With the technology that we have now, we could be doing a lot more progressive things that are way, you know, kind of beyond what storytelling culture is today. Mm -hmm. And it's actually not the technology that limits us at this point. It's it's the fact that we're just not used to doing that. And we think of stories as, right, a story is something where I sit on a couch and, and listen and someone tells me a story. And that someone is someone I never get to meet and they just live on the other side of the screen and they take my money, mm-hmm. and that's it. That's what a story is. But if we, if we just kind of changed our minds about that, and it was like, no, a story is something where we all gather together. Some of us are in the same room. Some of us aren't in the same room, whatever. And we all kind of have our, you know, our contribution to make on what this story is. Yeah. Then, and, and by the way, I think that's kind of the more natural way that stories happen. Probably if you go back thousands of years uh, – and forgive me if I said this to you before, because this is the story. This is like the thing I always bring up and I always like to think about is that if you go back thousands of years and, you know, you have earlier human beings gathering around a fire to tell a story or something. I doubt that there were a 100 people sitting quietly <laughs> while one or five people told or acted out a story. That's not how it went, I'm sure. I'm sure someone talked for a certain amount of time until someone else or a few other people were like, no, 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 that's not how it went. This is what happened. And then someone else is like, oh, but I heard blah, 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 blah. Right. And then, you know, you come back to the fire next week and someone tells a story and it's got a new twist. And that's, I feel like, the more natural way. Human beings tell stories in, in sort of social uh, collaborative ways. Choose your own cave. Choose your own cave. <laughs> Choose you know, your... I think this is sort of like. Have, have you been to any of the haunted house, like Sleep No More, or any of the haunted house? Adventures? I went to Sleep No More in New York City. Yeah, uh, that's. I every time I'm there, I never have a night off. I'm only usually there working. My girlfriend's been, and she loves she loves those and like escape the room type stuff. Mm-hmm, and I know mm-hmm. they're different, but but you know that kind of immersive storytelling right. is really interesting too. Would I? I I thought that Sleep No More, and forgive me if I'm talking about something that only a few people in New York have, have gotten to experience, but I thought it was beautiful. The the whole look of, I mean, what it is, just to summarize it, is it's like this fl- five-floor building where they've production designed the hell out of it, and there's tons of rooms and beautiful set design. Was it a walk-up? <clears throat> uh, there's elevator <laughs> and stairs. I'm in. Yeah. Uh, and then... Um, and there's also these sort of performers moving about. Uh, they don't – well, they're kind of actors, kind of dancers, mm-hmm. performance artists or something. They don't talk so much. Um, and, and so the audience, everyone ha- kind of just walks through and, uh, and gets to observe and sort of go into whatever room they want and see what's happening. And they say that it's uh, a retelling of Macbeth. And my takeaway from it was, I just wish they didn't tell me it was a, a retelling of Macbeth because <laughs> it's not. Like, there's no, maybe kinda, but not. Like, there's no. I couldn't find where the Macbeth story was, and I was looking. Yeah. And actually, as soon as I stopped looking, like two thirds of the way through the night, I was like, you know, maybe I should just give up on this whole Macbeth <laughs> idea. I started enjoying myself a lot more. So yeah. you were just, you just, you allowed yourself to experience the thing. Yeah, once I was just like, God, this all looks amazing. 
and stop thinking about what's the story. Whoa, is there a story? I want to follow it. What's this character doing? What's their motivation? Like, because there wasn't any really. Well, now and that, now now there's a bunch of. Uh, I mean, not surprisingly, a lot of them pop up around Halloween. But um, there's a lot of types of um, immersive events like that. But there are degrees to which you will you can allow the performers to touch you. Right. So since some of the scarier ones, they will it'll be dark and they'll just fucking grab you and like right. yank you into another room and uh, and I and I'm throw not you in a baby cradle throw and you in take a you for cradle. a ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I may not be okay with that. Um, but but finding different ways and, and particularly now with you know I mean are are you playing around with um are you playing around with periscope or any of any new social media tools to tell stories at all I ha- I I've I haven't really played with periscope much no that that's like the live streaming it's a live streaming app yeah I mean I think really that's fun. really exciting I I I should play with it more is it how's the delay on it is my question it's not terrible it's, it's pretty, not it's pretty yeah. good and you know what's fun about it is that the, the, I feel like there's a slight philosophical approach between using that versus just putting up a video on YouTube. Right. Which, you know, you, YouTube, for the most part, I feel like, oh, here's a moment that got captured. But now people are so – people are getting closer and closer and closer to wanting to be in the moment of things almost <laughs> – like we're almost <laughs> going to travel back in time. Yeah. But it, it really captures very special, very special moments. and it's And it's really cool just to think that, you know – at any given time, you could. I mean, obviously, we've had live streaming for a long time, but just not something as as simple that was adopted by a lot of people. Yeah, I got to try it. I definitely have to try it. I mean, Twitch is great, but you know, but if you're just out, if you're just out in the world and something happens, or you're going to try something, and or yeah. you just want to talk to people, it's it's a really it's a it's a great tool. I really like. it. I have a fantasy. You know how on on live broadcasts. You'll have a bunch of different cameras in the studio or mm-hmm. in the arena or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you have like a control room, and someone's yeah. like, "Ready, camera two, go, camera two, blah 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 blah," and they're able to switch the cameras. I wouldn't it be cool if, and maybe this exists already, I just don't know. Uh, if if it were like a live streaming thing like that, and everyone's phone could all connect to a hub like that, oh. and you could kind of switch back and forth between. Like Cerebro, sure Batman had that. <laughs> you're right. You're I think right. he might have been around for that. He was the world's greatest detective. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just picturing like Professor X and Cerebro, where he just puts the helmet on, and then he can see everything. Right. You know, he can see every mutant all over the world. It's that, right. that kind of that you you could see all that all those sorts of points of view. You know what's funny is um, thinking about that. That's that whole sequence, which is towards the end of the second Nolan yeah. Batman movie, the, the the Dark Knight, and maybe first it's called the Dark Knight, and uh, <laughs> uh, where he does, where he has all those cameras. Yeah, I've thought of that a lot recently because I just got finished uh, shooting a, a Snowden movie. Oh and, yeah, the Oliver Stone one. Yeah, and uh, and I I don't I feel like uh, no one talked about it that much in 2008 when the Dark Knight came out. Right about the implications of of what Batman has right there at the end of the movie well lucius knows it's no good and and yeah and he's and he's very cautionary towards it it's true but it was just a few years before we really started as a you know in a in a more popular way paying attention to the concerns over mass surveillance it's fascinating we're all walking around with microphones and cameras yeah at all times which you can broadcast Ostensibly, just broadcast to the world mm-hmm. at any time. Yeah, We're but not all... even that. I mean, just the, the thought of the backdoor access to that thing, right? Ba- you know, through a server. Sure. You know what I mean? Did you talk to? A... You, you, you must have talked to Nolan about that at some point or other, right? Did you ever talk to him about it? I actually, you know what? I haven't spoken to Chris about Snowden yet, and I look forward to uh, mm-hmm. when next I get to talk to him, and, and I'll be very curious to hear what he thinks. <laughs> well, I mean, but also in terms of. Uh, philosophical implications of technology and i mean well you know chris is 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 somewhat of a luddite like he doesn't really yeah he doesn't have a cell phone the man he doesn't have an email address wow he uh i mean you know his his wife and producing partner emma does Mm -hmm. and so uh and they you know work very closely together so um there's that but uh but yeah he's He's he he he's pretty resistant to a lot of the new technology. Oh wow, that's I, I, I sometimes like maybe he's changed since last we spoke about it. But, but I yeah. mean, I feel like sooner or later you have to be like, ah, fuck, you know. Like, <laughs> I guess I got to get one. Yeah, of these things. I mean, it is like a technological quicksand. Like sooner or later, you're like all right, I guess I gotta, I guess I gotta throw in the towel. Yeah, and let myself be connected to people. You would have thought. 
Well, that's the thing, too. Like, they had to, like, with those Samsung TVs, they had to tell people, like, be careful what you're saying in front of the TV because the voice activation the TV has. It goes to a server. There's an active microphone that's just sitting in your house now because of the sure. TV. And, and, it, and, it, and it can go to their servers and, you know, yeah. whatever whatever you say. Mm-hmm. Just you know. like in 1984. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, but that's the case with all of our phones. Yeah. But what's interesting is that you know, like 1984. It, it, <laughs> if we are if we are going toward a, if we are going toward a, a, an Orwellian construct like that, you know, who's who's Big Brother? Are is is everyone Big Brother in the way that it's happening now? Because we're all kind of looking at each other and right. you know, policing everything that we that what everyone else does and says. You know, I mean, that's a really complicated thing, right? Because in when Orwell wrote 1984. It was what in in the late forties, I mm-hmm. think he wrote that book, and you know we had just come off of uh, fascism and Hitler and Stalin, and and well we're still in the middle of Stalin and um, and things. It was a simpler time where power was concentrated in the hands of single political parties sure. and you know even single you know individual men were were so powerful, and and now I feel like it doesn't work like that the power is, is no uh, i hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist and i i i really don't want to sound like that um, well you just but, came from but, oliver stone movie <laughs> <laughs> so, so. <laughs> but you know but to be fair the the, the 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 technology and particularly the you know the interconnectivity of the, the internet it, it changed it it did it did flip it did flip a lot of power in one sense mm-hmm. because now essentially everyone you know, there, there, there's no guardian at the gates of information anymore. It's all, I mean, and particularly having just come off the snow. There probably you know. still are, but the lizard people want us to think otherwise. <laughs> oh, no, Matt, what yeah. happened? <laughs> Matt's... Guys, I've been watching Ancient Aliens, and I just want to say... <laughs> oh, no! They never arrive. All, they all just say it could be Ancient Aliens. They never solve anything. There's no declarative statements on that program. Which no! Which uh, endlessly What it could be... Frustrating. Yeah, some ast- ancient astronaut theorists believe. Yeah, not even a, a there. There are theorists about yeah. ancient astronauts, but but having just come off a movie like that, how closely did you get to the source material, and how you know how do you how do you tackle that, particularly with Oliver Stone, who's been on the podcast and is also very. He's, you once he starts talking, you kind of just go okay, you know, because right. there's no he's so armed with. You know, with he knows a lot of history. He yeah, knows a lot of things that yeah. I. There's no point for me to go. Well, wait a minute. What about? I got nothing. Like yeah. I don't know. Right. It's. Well, I mean, well, I would just try to be curious. You know, and and ask a lot of questions. And even even though it is sometimes intimidating to ask Oliver questions, I asked him lots and lots of questions. And in fact, what you find with Oliver is. He, appreci- he appreciates it <clears throat> if you stand up to him, if you challenge him, if you even sort of fight him. That's yeah. what he kind of likes and uh-huh. responds to, and that's what, what you know, how, how the, the creative process works with, with him. Good morning, Joe. Fuck you, oh, Oliver! Fuck you. Whoa, wait, what? <laughs> You'd be surprised how close it kind of came to that. So, no, 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 no. I mean, did you... Did you hang out with Snowden and talk to him, and was he involved in the project at all? Let's talk about that another time. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I totally understand. Well, we've got a surprise. He's here. He's here. <laughs> hey, Joe. Hey. <laughs> He's over in the corner making yeah. this stretch. <laughs> no, but, I mean, for me, the, the truth is uh, I really didn't know very much about the Edward Snowden story when Oliver first called me. Uh, I was excited and honored to have Oliver call me up um, just because I, you know, love so many of his movies. Um, but in 2013, when uh, when the Snowden leaks first came out, I was just really, really busy and I was not up on the news and I didn't really know very much about it. Uh, and it wasn't until Oliver asked me that I I started doing some reading. And, uh, and you know, I just read as much as I could. And, and it's in particular watched snowden himself and not on you know brian williams or whatever where he's very edited um john oliver he was great on john oliver but but you can you can get a much better sense of him if you watch you know one of the longer talks he'll give you know long talks with uh um like he and lawrence lessig had a conversation at at harvard and or uh you know uh, 
I can't think of them off the top of my head, but if you just look on YouTube for kind of the longer Edward Snowden talks, you can get a better sense of what he's trying to say. And unfortunately, it does take some time. The, 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 the issues he's talking about are complicated to the point where it's very difficult to speak about them in very brief soundbites. Mm. You know? and, and we're just total soundbite culture now. Exactly. People yeah. get their news, they'll see like four words of a headline and they go, yeah. I got it. And it's Actually, like, whoa, 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 re- you don't got it. Yeah. Like, no, yeah. no, I'm pretty sure I no, got, I got it. Sure I, got. I got enough information so I could get angry at the internet. Like, yeah. no, you don't. <laughs> Please. Yeah. For the love of God. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's, and even, and I feel like part of the conversation that I had with him was, you know, if you're representing, if you're representing history, you're also still a storyteller. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this is, you know, you have a point of view and, and, and obviously, but I feel like sometimes, you know, some people will go watch a movie like JFK and they'll go, eh, that's a documentary. That's exactly how that happened. And you're like, right. well, I mean, I guess it could, it could, you could have, but I don't, sure. you know, it is also a movie and it is also It is a movie. Acting. It is a movie, but I actually, I don't think that, that like an Oliver Stone movie is, is all that much less objective than cnn right because cnn to me looks like a show uh, absolutely you know, it's just and people sh- forget that yeah people forget that the news that the, you know i think i think people assume that if they see something on the news like oh well that's exactly that's 100 percent the that's way the it's news. being presented <laughs> yeah. that is the news as the man is to- named wolf he's telling <laughs> me the truth <laughs> he's named after a thing yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, but the idea that you know it is news is basically basically capitalist and they all mm-hmm. need they all are owned by companies and they all need your attention so they mm-hmm. can get sponsors and so you know and they figure out who their demo is and yeah. you know and it's then, really pretty similar to what you and I do it's, it's like almost yeah. exactly the same yeah. it's but it's but they're they're supposedly peddling in, <laughs> in some form of reality yeah. and and that's what that's what's sort of scary and 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 how in a culture that's so littered with so much pers- so many different points of view all at one time how do you sift through all of that to get to the nuggets of what may be close to the truth and yeah. and the answer is i don't know yeah. I, it's it's overwhelming well i i'll tell you since since we have the opportunity here to speak in in a longer form that's yes. that i let me i'm just i'll take the opportunity to tell you a couple things that i found that when I was reading about all the Snowden stuff, that really struck me, mm-hmm. uh, and things that that maybe don't get talked about so right. much. How on, hot his girlfriend on TV was. Next. Next. <laughs> next. So um, the first thing that actually really caught my attention was um, about this guy named James Clapper, who is the director of national intelligence, meaning he works uh, and oh, kind of oversees. The FBI, the CIA, the NSA, all these intelligence agencies. Big, big, you know, top dog guy. And uh, in, I think, 2011, he got called before Congress. And as you do when you testify before Congress, he swore to tell the truth. And he was asked, is the NSA collecting millions of uh, phone records on American citizens? And he said, no. Unequivocally, he said, no, sir. Uh, and then he said, not wittingly, uh, not wittingly, no, <laughs> which is kind of a weird <laughs> dance around or something. But he, he just outright lied. Right. In, in just – there's no way you can interpret that in any other way than that he lied. But no one could prove that he was lying until Edward Snowden provided this evidence – that showed that the director of national intelligence, I mean, he, he committed perjury. It's, it's subversive to say that, I guess. But when you get up in front of Congress and you swear to tell the truth and then you tell a lie, that's, that's perjury. Um, so that was one of the first things that really struck me is like, well, if the, the director of national intelligence is being asked by a senator, hey, is this happening? Because I, as the representative, the elected representative of the people, am asking you, is it happening? And you just flat out lie, then our government's broken. That's that's not a democracy anymore. That's no longer a, a government where the people are, are having the control that are, that has been promised. The whole what's so beautiful about the United States of America, you know, the the thing that we fought for in the American Revolution, etc., is is the whole idea that that. 
the American government is accountable to the American people. And the government's not the one in power. The people are the one in power. Right. And, but when the, you know, some high-up government official is lying to the elected representative of, of the people, uh, then that's not a democracy anymore. Right. And so, so that, was, that was one of the things that, that really struck me. It was like, well, but if that's happening, then what, how could we ever fix that? The only way that could ever really get fixed is if someone like Edward Snowden kind of broke the rules and blew the whistle. And, and of course, then everyone's going to sort of come down on him and say, hey, traitor, you know, you weren't supposed to, you know, say these things. But it's, you know, you got to look at it's Snowden's boss's 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 boss that's really breaking the law. Of course, they're going to blame the little guy, but it's the little guy. All he was doing was kind of telling. He was just telling the truth. I'm wondering because I think a lot of people probably, a lot. I, I would imagine a lot of Americans are like, you know what? Just keep me safe. I don't give a shit how you do it. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's shady shit going on in government. I just don't want to know about it as long as my family is safe. Exactly. So, and in fact, that's funny because that that's one of the other things that I found that really struck me which was that these mass surveillance tools don't actually help prevent terrorism. There isn't evidence of them helping to prevent terrorism. And you have to understand the difference between targeted surveillance versus mass surveillance. Targeted surveillance is perfectly legal, perfectly constitutional. Someone in law enforcement, whether it's the NSA or the CIA or the FBI or police or anybody, says, hey, we have – we have reason to believe that this guy is maybe a problem and we're going to a court, can prove probable cause. And then, of course, you can go and snoop and listen to his phone calls, read his emails. <laughs> Get a flower van, <laughs> try to put it out in front of them. Yeah. Absolutely. That's all good. Um, that's targeted surveillance. And that, that's how they stop terrorism. And, and they successfully thwart terrorist threats that way all the time. But as far as evidence, actual examples of, hey, we use these mass surveillance tools, these tools that just collect everything from everybody to stop terrorism, they can't come up with any examples. There aren't – they don't – it doesn't work. It's, it's not a useful system because it's too much information. So they're not, they're not actually uh, – it, it's not helpful in finding terrorists. It's kind of funny that – I mean I'm sure when you were young and you were like, oh, I want to be a performer – it never occurred to you, like, being a performer means that I might have to research and find out things I wish I didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> and not just, I get to be Robin! Yeah. You know, like, it's not, it's not... It's a totally different... Don't belittle the responsibilities of Robin. <laughs> no, he's... A, okay, Robin wait, has a lot no, on his shoulders. No, you, you know what? I That was talking out of line there. You're <laughs> totally right. Robin is very responsible, and, uh, and he does take over in some capacity. He does get to take over for a bit. And, uh, and so, I, yes, I, you know, I really am... No, but you're right. It's one of the things I love about my job. I get to I get to look into all kinds of things. I get to learn all kinds of things. Before shooting Snowden, I got to learn to you know walk on a high wire. Oh, the Zemeckis movie. Yeah, yeah. Did you uh, did you successfully walk on a super scary high wire? With yeah, just a- not not uh, thousands of feet in the air. Jesus Christ! But, but yeah, you, I learned how to do it, and it was actually it was Philippe Petit that, that taught me. He he was very intent. He didn't want anybody else to teach me. He's like, don't try it with anybody else before we meet. And he arranged this whole situation for us to spend like eight straight days together, and uh, and he taught me how to do it. And did you have to overcome the crippling fear of uh, just being on a place where you could fall? And yeah, it's funny because it's so when I was doing it, I would always have a a safety line, right? Um, and the safety line actually doesn't help you balance because if they put any uh, pressure on the safety line, it would throw you off balance. Sure. It's just there. That if you fell, it would catch you. Sure. So mentally, I know I'm not going to fall. Mm-hmm. But your body kind of doesn't know that. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird head game. You see actually how uh, how little power your mind has uh, <laughs> over the situation and how much your your emotions are just controlled by kind of this autopilot physical body of yours. Because I learned on on like you know two or three feet off the ground, and I got pretty good at it easy where I didn't even have to worry about it too much. I could just kind of do it. But then we shot the movie with the wire 12 feet off the ground um, so that they could shoot all the cool angles and whatnot. And just that difference of the extra 10 feet, my body just got all jittery and tight and scared, even though I have the safety thing on. I know nothing bad can really happen. 
doesn't matter. My body froze up until I had just spent enough time up there uh, at that height to where it got acclimated and, and got used to it. God, I just I feel like I would get up there and then I would get a foot cramp and then I'd be pissed that I had a foot cramp and then I would fall off. <laughs> it's a mental you, I mean you you're right because it's so much mental. If you have to you have to just keep focused. I mean it's it's an incredible exercise. About wind gusts. That's what I always found fascinating about him actually doing But when that. you yeah, see yeah. like when you see some of those old videos, you'll see like a gust he'll start to, like you see him start to take a step and you'll see it like it move a little bit and he has to stop for a second yeah. mm-hmm. and just kind of let the basically just like a wave, just sort of like mm-hmm. ride ride the wave a little bit and then when the gust stops, but yeah, it's uh, you've been in a tall building and yeah. then you can hear the wind like mm-hmm. hitting the building and uh, there's no part of me that's like I wish I was out there. <laughs> like I see a window washer and I just I feel like my body flushes. I just feel yeah. yeah I don't I don't have that gene. Yeah. Well, this movie uh, might make you sick. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it a little like do you is it is the is most of the movie just like if you're watching it are you like uh, It's I wouldn't say it's most of the movie cuz you know the way Zemeckis always tells stories is he he's very good at getting you invested in the characters yeah you know like when you watch back to the future the whole sequence with the clock tower i mean it looks amazing but a a big part of why we love it so much is because you really care about marty mcfly and doc brown yes uh so so most of the movie isn't on the wire it's a lot of the movie is just about this you know this guy who's on the one hand a brilliant artist and on the other hand a madman just completely insane and sort of the the balance of that just in his head and and the you know the people that were uh were around him his friends and and you know co-conspirators who helped him do it and just the personal relationships of uh and and just the the balls that it takes to, <laughs> to say, like, we're going to do that. I know it seems impossible, but we're going to do it. Speaking of balls, I feel like you could slip and fall and rack yourself something fierce up on a, on a high wire. You could, even with the safety harness. Though. Yeah, I mean, I mean yeah. the safety harness isn't going to keep you from splitting yourself in half with the wire. And and the, the stunt team told me that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cut, look out for your ball. <laughs> no, no, don't talk to me. What else have you been doing in the last two, a couple of years since we saw you? Mm. You did. You've done. You've done a few movies. Hit records. Been on. You're going. Is it? What season are you? It's on Pivot. It's on Pivot, and the second season's the about to start. Second season starting soon. Yeah. Um. What else have I done? Man, you act like I do things other than work. <laughs> no, I'm so lucky, dude. I. I. It's a. It's a funny thing. Uh. Because I get into interview situations sometimes where we're like, okay, but yeah, yeah, but let's talk about, you know, just other things. Like, do you have any hobbies or like, what do you like to do? Do you like to this, that? And I'm like, oh, I don't have answers I'm for that t- either. I'm so telling you like, yeah, because you do, you do tons of shit too. Like I see you're always doing shows and various, like so many things. I, I, I love my job. I'm super lucky to get to do it. And I really spend... A lot of time doing it. <laughs> I mean, it's important because it, so many people don't even really know what they want to do. And so when you're lucky enough to know what you want to do and then you're even further lucky that you're able to do that thing, it just it just feels like, oh, I don't know how – I better do this now. I don't know how long. This may not be here forever. You're right. You know, like, There's that to, too. Yeah. You know, I really need to embrace this while it's a thing because who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you, that's interesting. I – I really that really resonated with me. Do you you have that feeling? We're like, of course. We're like, oh shit! I don't know if I'll be given these opportunities of a course. year from now. So. And it almost feels irresponsible to not take them, right? Because I flash back to unemployed me, right? And and he's going, "What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> I would kill to be. Yeah. Why don't you just?" And I'm like, yeah. "Okay, I got it. You know, of course, I have to do this. Yeah. I have to do this. Yeah, yeah." But and have you found? Uh, have you found a, a way to balance it? Have you found a way to... Yes, I have a phenomenal girlfriend. Uh-huh. I have a wonderful girlfriend who's taught me the value of, you know, spending time together and, and going away and taking little, you know, moments and just spending time with her. It's a, it really made all the difference. If it was just me, I would be completely running myself into the ground. Right, right. Completely. That and I'm still sense. on the edge of doing that, but but I still, you know, I still have reserved... A side of me that is just for just for that, and it's really it's really nice. How do you feel? I'm curious. And how do you do you uh, do you talk about your relationship with your girlfriend in public and press sure. and stuff like that? I mean, no, yeah. I mean, she's 
she's a somewhat public figure, so I get asked about her. Ah, uh, okay. And so she, and so yeah, and and I don't. I've, I've actually even started talking about the relationship in stand up. So, and she's totally fine with it. I didn't uh-huh. just I didn't just do it and be like, "You knew what you signed up for." <laughs> you know. I asked, I was like, "Is it cool if I?" And she was like, "I don't care. Talk about whatever the fuck you want." Uh-huh. Um, but uh but yeah. Cuz I have I well, so I got married recently, which is lovely, lovely, I lovely. I see the yeah. wedding ring. Thank you. And uh was thank you the right response? Yeah. Well, it thank was. You. It yeah. was. I no, see the wedding I mean, ring. It's, guy. A little, was... it's a little gaudy. That diamond's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Uh, she's treating him right. <laughs> Take him to a nice dinner. Give him a ring. But, uh, you know, she um, she isn't in the entertainment business or anything like that. And she really doesn't want to be uh, in in the public eye. Yeah. And um, and that's, that's tough because uh, there is – there's a lot of pressure um, – to share those things and and um and I don't want to come off guarded um or uh or like I I you know <clears throat> opaque or something but sure. but um for me it's it's just it's really important to have that division like there's there's a part of my life that's just not incorporated into this public persona or or performance or you know any of it it's just it's just for me and for her and for you know those who you know are are close friends and family and that's to me that's a really important part of kind of maintaining my sanity yeah and 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 it's sort of public as we are but i mean it's not like we're not like tabloid couple but it but but it's just that i would talk about it if someone if someone asked me but i still feel like there are sections that that are just for us, but you're right. It is important because because all the other stuff, all the public stuff, is based on stuff that's you know not not always real, or at least you know if you're if you're doing a red carpet, you're kind of a version of yourself. You're like, oh, was, you know, worked yeah. on this thing, and it was mm-hmm. a you know, like mm-hmm. if you, if you were like that at home, it'd be irritating. I think you know, <laughs> yes, you know, if yeah. you if you if you had to give well thought out measured answers to everything to satisfy a soundbite a sound culture soundbite yeah exactly you know, you'd be yes honey this uh, the dinner that you uh, had delivered was uh, it it was uh, it resonated well i uh. think with the younger demographic <laughs> and you know like you you get fucking punched in the face and so it is i think it is important to keep that to keep that separate but obviously you know there there, there is some because everyone wants to know all things at all times and feels they have a right to now. So it's kind of an interesting, it is kind of an interesting balance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still working on it. Do you go, do you go to premieres together or is she like, I don't even want to do the red carpet. That shit's weird. Oh no, she would never do that. That would mortify her. She would, yeah, no. I think maybe that's, you know, it's kind of awesome. It is kind of awesome. I I think think so too. I think, yeah, because those things are kind of mortifying. Those red carpets. Not only that, but if you, but if you were with someone who really liked it, that's, that's sort of a weird, because you don't, you know, it's, I feel like it can be difficult to date if you're somewhat of a public figure, because there can be a myriad of reasons that someone might go out with you and you don't know yeah, that right. so if someone just sort of rejects that right off the bat you're like oh okay good you know you just like me you don't give a shit about any of that stuff yeah that's that really is true <laughs> you're right i mean and that's that's i mean just one of many 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 reasons that i that i love her but but it you, you are correct do you feel like a married guy now or is it just like oh like once you do it it doesn't really you know like matt matt's getting married in yeah, october. october you are congratulations yeah, thank you very much she's uh talked to me about Maybe not saying so many things. Uh, that's interesting. Like yeah. what? Like what? Just I mean, like, not that you should say the things. No, I but, mean, like where are no, the cover all the had, things you're not supposed to? Yeah, <laughs> we've just had discussions. Like when we were even when like we we're talking about the wedding planning on here, and I said stuff, and I just don't even. There's no real sort of filter on my brain for my life, and now that she is also my life, right now our life. Mm-hmm. But I have learned uh, nicely through her that. Maybe there should be a filter uh-huh. <laughs> when uh, discussing our sort of our lives and, and, and our plans. And so it's just it, it's it's been a thing I've had to curb. Yeah. I would never even and I would never even have to have someone ask me this. But the stuff that I talk about her on stage is stuff that's sort of it's publicly known. I, I would never be like. Hey, this one in the old Sackaroo sure yeah. loves the blim, blim, blim. Like, Chris, I, I don't yeah. think anyone thought you were saying this one in the old Sackaroo. <laughs> well, first of all, I've never been—I've never been that kind of a guy. Like, not even, 
not even off the record am I the type of person that is. I'm just not that way. Right. I don't know. I kind of was raised by my mom mostly, and I'm just I'm just not. I feel weird even just talk. If I if I get around groups of guys and they're like. We got so much ass last night. I'm like, I feel weird. I'm like, I can't. I gotta go. Like, I just don't. I don't communicate that way. So it's. I feel awkward. And I'm not trying to sound like I'm so above everything. It's the 100 percent truth. If sure. a dude, it's awkward. Yeah, it is awkward. Yeah. If a dude starts talking about like, I think that's the Catholic in us. Is it? Yeah. My, my I don't man. know. I'm a Jew, and I'm the same way. <laughs> Jews and Catholics. They. they, they I mean, the there's a lot of similarities. Very. <laughs> yeah, I've heard. It's yeah. very, very close. But uh, yeah, I know my, my 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 manager and I have a, a long running joke about it because he used to work with some guys and he was they were out to dinner one night and one of them was like, "Man, we, we got so much pussy last weekend," and they were they kept throwing that word around like it, and and he and afterwards he called me and he was like, "I am so glad that this is not how we communicate and it's so weird <laughs> to be around it." That we'll just randomly call each other during the day and go, hey, a lot of puss in the oven. So much puss. Oh my god, I'm out in a pussy. You know, like it's well, so tell weird. Tell him to stop talking to David Space. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like that type of communication is so are you do you consider yourself like a dude's dude or are you like are you more uh or do do you kind of break what the the stereotype the stereotype? I mean I, I always I always found the same thing that it's funny how I think some some guys it seems uh, and actually, this isn't just guys. I think, I yeah. think uh, both males and females do this. Sure. They are attracted sexually to the uh, potential to be able to tell the story right. of what they did more even than the experience itself. Right. And uh, yeah, the guy, the guy version of it is, oh yeah, dude, I got so much fucking pussy. Yeah. And you know, you could imagine what, what you know. But the young lady or old lady version of that. I got so I got, much I, pussy I in my so day. Much cock. I, just, <laughs> I was I was like a Hoover <laughs> during the time of Hoover. <laughs> and just for a second I, I felt a drop in my pussy. <laughs> She's probably dry, you know. Oh, Matt, so Matt, I was thinking real. that uh, the old lady gotta be dry. Yeah, Why? Seriously. Why? You menopause. Uh, Why I can tell you, you about menopause. I've been doing a lot of reading for my Ed Snowden movie about menopause. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, this is a, here's another question that's related to that, though, that I think about a lot. Like with with artists that you love, or or any public anybody, how much do you look into their private life outside of their work? Like, you know, uh, there's lots of examples of like. Miles Davis apparently didn't have a great uh, private life, but he had an excellent heroin dealer. Or you know, there's oh yeah, or you know, or like Peter Sellers, or like I didn't know that one, but yeah, exactly. You know, Peter Sellers is portrayed as as having been kind of a monstrous individual to his family, and so and and it does, you know, does that impact you when you watch a Peter Sellers movie? It's hard not to think about it. Uh I mean, it's hard not to think. I mean, on the one hand, you can appreciate. You know, I'll tell you what you can. I feel like on one hand, part of your brain can appreciate the technical aspects of it. This the sort of spiritual aspects are like, eh, but you know, mm-hmm. if if having that much genius meant that he had that he was that horrible to people, mm-hmm. I have a problem with that. And certainly, uh, and and certainly in the case of someone like Cosby, completely ruined. Can't mm-hmm. can't can't get into it anymore. Can't watch him anymore. Can't. Like all those charming family stories, like it's all, it, it. I just can't. I can't anymore. So that was a case where it was completely, completely ruined for me. But, um, but I think it also depends on, you know, what the stories were, how how much, like where the rumors might be, and the you know I like to give people the benefit of the doubt. But if it seems like something was either proven or there was an alarming amount of evidence to suggest, then of course it's hard to it's hard to separate. Yeah. But um, I think ultimately. You know, the, it, the there is an example to be learned from it, which is, <laughs> you know, handle your shit well and try to be a good person. Sure, <laughs> and don't, sure, and sure. don't, you know, because our business does attract broken people and then it breaks them further. Yeah. And so, you know, if you are fortunate enough to find a nice partner, uh, as I have and you and Matt, and uh, then, uh, you know, don't take it for granted because those those types of things... I think can tether us to um, 
uh, can tether us to reality and keep your feet on the ground. Yeah. And, and knowing that the alternative is, you know, not the alternative. It could always be, it could always be worse. Mm-hmm. So I think, I, I think about that stuff and I just go, I'm just glad that, I'm glad that I don't have like a monstrous demon that I have to battle with every single day. Mm-hmm. That, yeah, because even I, I feel like I, I, I'm super lucky, and you know, I, I was born to great loving parents who, you know, I feel like I don't have a lot of stuff to contend with like that. And even still, it's, it's sort of difficult to, just like you say, keep your feet on the ground. You know, working in in the in the sort of insane business that we do and i can only imagine if i was having to contend with with whatever doubts or demons that that doing this kind of work would just be i mean it's so funny like if i didn't know if i didn't know who you were and i just met you and i didn't know who you were it's like the, the level of stuff that you do but then just talking to you, I was like, oh, I'm just a, you know, so I was Joe. He's just, a, he's just a dude. Like, he's not, no, no, he's in like a bunch of the biggest movies. No, come on. He's like a regular guy. What are you talking about? Thanks, man. I mean, it's, and, and I think ultimately that's the, that's probably one of the best scenarios you can hope for in this business is to, yeah. is to be able to do the things you like and not get chewed up or have your soul completely. And I think that's why it's important to have interests outside of it. A passion project like Hit Record or a nice mm. partner or, right. you know, like a good family and a cool brother and cool parents. And, mm. you know, it's like that's some of those things you're you are, you're just very lucky that you happen to have a cool family. And that's so grateful. You know, yeah. And so and so that's uh, and I do and I feel protective of it. And so when I go on, you know, some uh, in various certain press venues, you know, where you kind of receive pressure to like, well, so tell me, you know, more about your wife or your married life or whatever i i i do feel protective i don't i don't you know what though but the thing it. that's irritating about that is that it's not like if you cuz you know they're just trying to exploit you for a story to get views or to get ratings or to get attention mm-hmm, that's right and and i don't like you know if I ask someone something like that, I'm not trying to break a story. It's like, oh, I'm really interested to know. And if you don't want to talk about it, don't talk about it. But, you, but the pressure that you're feeling is because you can tell that it's coming from a selfish place. And it's, they're not really – they don't really want to know you. Mm-hmm. They just want to see what they can crack open and, you know, and get hits on a website for. And that's, yeah. what's, that's why you should be protective of it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, and that's – I mean I, and I've felt that both times that I've been – you know, done this podcast with you. It just – it feels – like we're having a conversation, two dudes like kind of getting to know each other. One of these days, we could have a conversation without without microphones. microphones? Nah, boring. <laughs> nah, never happened. Boring. <laughs> nope. We can't if you can't record it, it doesn't exist. <laughs> it does not exist. Well, do you want to play? When's this? When season two of uh, Hit Record is coming? This out? This Friday is the first uh, the first episode, June twelfth. On Pivot. On Pivot, which is a cable channel <laughs> that uh, you know it just started. Not a lot of people necessarily know. About they attracted it yet. a lot of good talent, though. Like Pivot, it's it. There's some really cool programs, and there's reason. You know, the because the guy who started Pivot um, is a guy named Jeff Skoll, um, and Jeff Skoll, uh, he was one of the. Uh, he was the first president of eBay. Oh wow! And so he exited eBay with uh, a lot of money. Let's just say, <laughs> and and since then he uh, he started he's he's he started so many things and he supports so much social entrepreneurship and I mean he does a ton of stuff. But in in the media side of of his career, um, he started a company called Participant Films. And uh, in the movie industry for the last 10 years, they've, they've uh, contributed to so many great movies like, uh, well, the one that I was in is called Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they were uh, you know, one of the companies involved in that or An Inconvenient Truth or um, what else? Uh, the Help. Um, tons, tons and tons of movies. And, uh, but they operate on this thing that I think is really cool called the double bottom line, which means they have the normal bottom line where they are they're responsible to you know be a lucrative and sustainable company but the other bottom line is jeff holds them accountable to this has to have a certain amount of positive social impact and you ha- we have to be able to measure that mm-hmm. and so they with every one of their productions with every movie like for example with lincoln they um they spent the money to create an entire high school curriculum around the movie 
uh, and send that curriculum along with a copy of the DVD to every public high school in the United States. And they do that kind of thing for every production, and every production is different. They have some kind of campaign that they also put a ton of money into so that the production will have you know some kind of measurable social impact. And, um, and they've done really well as a film company uh, for about a decade. And, uh, and so Pivot, they just started uh, last year, 2014, Pivot started, and uh, they're you know, getting into the TV game. That's great. Yeah, yeah. So it's so I feel good, you know, working for that guy. And uh, and also, by the way, I don't think we probably could have made our show anywhere else because I think you if know. you just were doing hit record, you could still be able to say like I'm successful, you know, because yeah. like, it's it's a thing, it's a passion project, and it's thing that's very important to you, and a thing that's for the community, you know, and and but then you just start leveling, you start adding all stuff on top of that, and it's but you know what, it's best that you don't think about it too much because <laughs> you you should stay grounded and cool. Thanks, uh, Thanks. but uh, but congratulations and congratulations on the wedding, and thank um, you very much. And uh, and enjoy your burrito, everyone. The end. Now leaving Nerdist.com. Enjoy your burrito. I'm Shimon Yai, and I have a new podcast called The Competition. Every year, 50 high school senior girls compete in a massive scholarship competition. I wouldn't say I have an ego problem, but I'm extremely competitive. All of the competitors are used to being the best and the brightest, and they're all vying for a huge cash prize. This will probably be the most intense that you've ever gone through in your life. I remember that feeling because I was one of them. I lost. But now I'm coming back as a judge and also a kind of teen girl anthropologist. Because if you want to understand what it's like to be a young woman in America today, the competition's not a bad place to start. Hopefully no one will die on station night. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery, this is The Competition. Follow The Competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to The Competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.